Welcome to Private Equity Perspectives, a podcast by BDO USA's private equity practice. Each episode, BDO connects with leaders in the private equity space to discuss the latest trends driving deal activity, fund strategies, and portfolio company optimization. Hello, this is Todd Kinney, National Relationship Director with BDO's private equity practice. I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the second episode of BDO's Private Equity Perspectives podcast. It's a big day today, listeners. I'm proud to say that my good friend and BDO client, Derek Lim, is here with us today. Derek is a director with Ardian's North American Buyouts Fund. Derek will be discussing his strategies and experiences, as well as his outlook for the PE world in 2018. So Derek, as you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, the team at Ardian. You've certainly been good to BDO. We're very appreciative, uh, appreciative, and uh, it's it's great to have you here today. Um, while I know a lot about your strategy and your focus, I'd like to start off by having you bring our listeners up to speed regarding Ardian and how the North American Buyouts Unit came to be. Great. Well, uh, thanks for having me today, Todd. I yeah, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so just give listeners a sense of who Ardian is. Um, uh, Ardian uh, is uh, the former AXA private equity group, so some people would better notice of that, but um, we did a rebranding effort in 2013. Uh, we're a Paris-based um, global investor, managed roughly about $65 billion in assets across numerous asset classes. Um, you know, The bulk of that is in our fund-to-funds business. We have a very strong fund-to-funds business, both um, in Europe um, as well as here in the U.S., um, our U.S. presence for, for fund-of-funds has, has been here for well over a decade, um, and we've become one of the market leaders in the secondary space. Uh, we, um, uh, we raised a you know, very large fund back in 2016 with a primary focus on the secondaries. Um, we've, uh, we also manage capital across numerous um, asset classes. So um, we've got a couple of pockets of LBO funds over in Europe. Um, we've got a larger cap fund, which focuses on larger-scale buyouts, um, we've got a you know kind of a middle market fund, um, and then we've got an expansion capital, which is you know looking you know more for growth equity funds. Um, we also have a real estate fund, an infrastructure fund, um, and we have a debt fund. So you know, we truly are a multi asset uh, manager. Um, and so when it came to the U.S. strategy, um, the team at Ardian had looked to come into the U.S. Um, and I think you know, primarily for two reasons. One. Uh, if you look across our capabilities, it was a natural extension. Um, you know, we have been here in the U.S. market on the fund of funds um, and the secondary side for you know quite some time now, and so we thought that having a direct fund here in the U.S. made a lot of sense, and it was a natural extension of of the capabilities of Ardian. Um, and secondly, you know, from our LP base, which is about 550 investors globally, um, you know, there was a lot of demand for us to come here in the United States, and so we wanted to give um, you know those investors access to U.S based middle market companies for a direct strategy. Right. Well, that's uh, truly really fantastic, uh, again, to have you here today. Um, uh, Ardian has such a uh, fantastic brand in the space, and BDO has certainly uh, been excited to uh, you know, work with you uh, on some deals in the past year and certainly look forward to expanding the, uh, the relationship. Um, you know, it is interesting that a large investor like Ardian would be looking for deals in the lower middle market. Uh, maybe you can help the uh, listeners understand what the rationale is for seeking acquisitions uh, in that segment. Sure. Yeah. So I think you know it's a it's a it's it's, it's a couple of factors. I think you know, first and foremost, um, if you look at the middle market, 
Um, it, it, it does tend to be a crowded market today, but there's a lot of funds, but it's a very large space. And, you know, um, we tend, you know, we will play in kind of the lower end of the middle market as well as the true traditional middle market. Um, and so, you know, given that um, there are a number of companies out there, it's a very dense marketplace for the number of opportunities, uh, both, you know, on a proprietary basis or, you know, things that are being auctioned off by an investment banker. Um, secondarily, again, you know, back to kind of, you know, the global demand, I think our investor base really sees the U.S. as a strong growing market, um, you know, especially in the sense for private equity. Um, and just given the number of middle market businesses that are here vis-a-vis other countries. Um, and so, you know, they wanted to plant a flag here because, you know, to take advantage of that opportunity and to give access to our investors. Um, you know, but also, you know, I mean, we are believers in, in the industrial manufacturing space. So um, the strategy here is, you know, for us to kind of look at more industrial focused businesses and, and industrial services. Um, and I would say, you know, we're, we're you know, our strategy is going to tend to focus um, on those companies solely in the, in the kind of lower middle market to mid market. Um, likewise, too, I think is that, you know, we're also not afraid to roll up our sleeves and, um, and you know, really tackle issues that tend to, you know, that, that middle market companies tend to have, whether that's, you know, some level of complexity, whether they need, um, you know, they're an inflection point in their growth strategy and they just need some outside capital to kind of reach that next, you know, that, that next growth phase customer concentration and other things that we think that we can add value, you know, both to the middle market companies and also more importantly to our investor base. Sure. Sure. Well, I think the, uh, the team at BDO is, uh, you know, uh, alongside you very bullish about the, uh, you know, the lower middle market, middle market, uh, industrial uh, manufacturing segment. So, uh, we, uh, we, we assume you're going to have a lot of, a lot of success, pretty frothy markets out there. Yep. Um, now, despite being formed in 2016, uh, your team has already done several deals. Um, uh, you know, perhaps it'd be helpful for our, uh, uh, our listeners. Um, maybe you could share uh, if you've come across any kind of unique financing arrangements or, or deal structures that uh, might, might sure. be a good story or two to share. Sure. Yeah. So we've, um, we've, we've closed one deal in the summer. Um, and we um, we announced a couple weeks ago um, uh, our second platform in the plastic injection molding space, um, which, which we're open to close here imminently. Um, you know, in terms of financing arrangements, you know, I would say one of the things that has, has been a little bit surprising to me, but also it's been a great opportunity, um, is we've seen a lot of activity from the, from the commercial banking side to get into leveraged loans. Um, you know, I think... Ten years ago, when I was in this business, that you know wasn't necessarily the case. Um, so for you know for our deals, um, we have seen kind of you know some of the active um, uh, uh, middle market banks or even larger scale banks that are trying to come down market to play in the middle market. Um, and I think that speaks to you know the the number and the breadth of opportunities that we spoke about earlier uh, regarding that. In terms of deal structures, you know I'd say um, it really runs the gamut. I think. Um, the first buyout we did happened to be um, a, a company um, that had significant revenue over here in, in North America. There was a cross-border element to that as well. And um, so that provided a, a unique kind of deal structure that we had to kind of structure around. And I think um, going to the banking community to, to get that financing done was, was certainly nice. Um, and then, you know, more importantly, as I talked about kind of, you know, our ability to look at more complex deals um, that, you know, I mean, that naturally will lend itself to more unique financing arrangements. So, um, you know, I can't necessarily get into specifics, but, you know, there are opportunities for seller related financing 
Um, and we have seen a really strong appetite, you know, not only from the commercial banks, but also more importantly from uh, the international investor base. Um, so we've seen a lot of appetite from you know some Asian and European banks uh, to come play in the middle market here in the U.S. Right. Well, I think that was a, a fair response without giving away some of the secret sauce. I'm sure your, your team will appreciate that. Um, so I guess kind of on the international cross-border front, um, with, with Ardian being a European-based investor, uh, I would think this provides an edge to your North America fund as you explore cross-border growth opportunities, both at the fund and, and portfolio level. Uh, you know, I certainly know at BDO that, um, you know, our global footprint is something that we, uh, we really highlight in most pursuits as a, uh, a competitive advantage. It can really separate us from some of the, you know, the, the second tier firms that, that try and compete with us here in North America, <laughs> but, uh, you know, really just can't match us globally. Um, would it be safe to say that uh, Ardian would follow uh, a somewhat uh, similar strategy? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I mean, it's interesting, Todd. I mean, um, you know, again, the middle market lends itself to a number of opportunities. You know, I'd say over the last couple of years, um, when we're going to management meetings or, or we're meeting with CEOs or you know leaders of, of businesses, um, more and more uh, the need for international expansion has become more prominent um, in their near-term goals. And what I'd say about Ardian, um, you know, kind of taking a step back and looking at us, right? I mean, we are a global investor. Um, we do have a very um, strong direct buyout platform over in Europe. Um, and with that comes, um, you know, um, a large number of portfolio companies over in Europe. So, you know, what I would say that, um, you know, the U.S. companies that we're meeting with do have international expansion opportunities. And what I think is, you know, what we bring to the table is a pretty unique bridge. And I think that is certainly how we can differentiate ourselves from our peers here in the middle market. There's not a lot of um, peers of ours that can say that they're a truly global firm. And so, you know, we can take advantage of the Ardian um, network and whether that's talking to other executives in the, in the same space that are playing over um, in Europe um, or it's just, you know, kind of using uh, the knowledge base that exists at Ardian to help strategize and game plan for our international expansion plans for our portfolio companies here in North America. Right. Well, I uh, couldn't, couldn't agree more. You guys are certainly uh, a unique brand, uh, and uh, I think that global footprint is only going to help you guys going forward. Uh, I guess on a similar international note, uh, the Trump administration has been trying to renegotiate NAFTA and is leaning towards protectionism. Um, I guess, how do you see this affecting companies' plans for cross-border expansion? Yeah, so, you, you know, I think um, given any type of um, changes to NAFTA, I think a lot of companies now are going to start to, you know, look at the potential pros and cons, right? Um, you know, I mean, we own, um, we own businesses in our portfolio that have U.S.-based production facilities, um, and we also have some that are in Canada and Mexico. Um, you know, I think for the most part, um, and again, you know, kind of um, the devil's in the details, but I think uh, as you're looking for expansion and, um, and, you know, whether it's kind of moving facilities offshore or potentially coming back onshore, um, that's certainly going to drive, um, you know, a lot of decision making. But I think, you know, um, you know, if you're a U.S.-based company and you've thought about or, you know, you know let's just say that you're a middle market investor um, and you're looking at a U.S.-based manufacturer 
um, and part of your investment thesis is to you know is to move manufacturing offshore. You've got to you know stop and kind of take a breath here, and, you know, really think twice about that strategy because if if uh, if, if NAFTA is changed, you know, obviously you've lost you know a, a large potential of your upside. Um, but you know, I think um, you know depending on what end markets you're at, right? I still think that there, um, you know, in terms of the talent pool here in the U.S., there there, there there's a lot of talent pool. Um, and especially for manufacturing oriented companies, and you know we're seeing it. You know, um, um, we're playing more in kind of you know the 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 end markets of the manufacturing space that are you know more technical, more highly engineered in nature. Um, and you know, for those types of opportunities, in terms of if, if there's a need for human capital, I still think the U.S. is one of the best places to find the, that type of human capital. Um, but you know, it's a long-winded way of saying that I think. You know, um, we're fully aware of it, and I think it, it does play into our investment strategy and kind of how we think about um, expansion. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think we're kind of in a wait and see mode before we make any type of arrangements. Right. Well, we certainly uh, we we appreciate that insight. I understand we're asking you to speculate a little bit, but uh, I think your professional uh, opinion of what you're doing and seeing helps quite a bit. Uh, on, I guess on the topic of the. Uh, you know, the debt markets, uh, certainly, uh, you know, we're seeing many highly levered companies uh, getting a lot of uh, media attention these days. Uh, perhaps I can ask you what your thoughts are on the high leverage rates on portfolio companies, really, and what we should expect. Are we going to see a rise in defaults or do you think the fundamentals are still pretty strong? Yeah. So as I look across our portfolio, I mean, the fundamentals are all showing signs of continued strength. Um, and especially when we're talking to when we're talking to um, companies that are out for sale, and you know we're talking to bankers, we're talking to executives. I mean, for the most part, you know the economy is still very strong. We're at low unemployment, um, so from a from a fundamental standpoint, they, they are they they are showing tab you know some strength that is going into 2018. Um, on the debt market in general, I mean there is a lot of capital out there. Um, you know, I, on, on almost every call that we have with bankers, we always ask for an existing, you know, kind of current leverage read of the business in terms of how many debt providers they've gone out to. Um, and consistently I'm hearing that number rise more and more. Maybe a year ago, it was kind of, you know, four to five times now in the middle market, I'm hearing, you know, five to six times for businesses that, you know, maybe you're a GDP, GDP plus type grower, but have good cash flow dynamics. Um, so, you know, I don't see um, uh, any pullback in the fundamentals. And for highly leveraged companies, um, you know, again, saving tax reform for a second, I still think there's a lot of appetite from the debt providers out there to provide as much capital as, you know, as, um, as is appropriate for existing and new portfolio companies for investors. Well, this this is the time in the uh, the conversation where I ask you to bring out your uh, your crystal ball and let's talk about 2018. So, um, what 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 is your personal outlook? Maybe Ardian's outlook um, on PE deal making in 2018, and you know, should we expect to see high valuations and and further uh, intense uh, competition that we've seen uh, in the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, again, fundamentals are strong, um, uh, especially in all aspects of our business. So there's a lot of dry powder out there um, on the investing side. Um, the number of deals, you know, I, I think if I look at December, December and our business tends to be a little bit slower. 
Um, you know, we're pretty busy right now. Um, I've talked to other peers who are extremely busy. I've talked to a lot of our vendors. So there is a lot of activity. And I think the backdrop to that and you know, the driving force behind that is, you know, the dry powder is still there from the investor base. Um, the debt capital markets are still very strong and liquid. Uh, there's a lot of demand. You've been seeing some larger players try to come into the middle market um, debt space, providing more and more capital that are tend to be pushing leverage levels up more and more. Um, and then you've got a strong economy. You know, you, you know, I mean, we still do have a very strong economy. Again, you know, back to unemployment levels being very low. Um, and obviously there's a tax reform out there. And, you know, again, talking about the pros and cons, but fundamentally um, I don't see anything on the horizon that, you know, would lead me to believe that 2018 is not going to be, you know, at least as good of a year um, as 2017 would be. Um, I would hope for some kind of correction so we can get, you know, some of our deals a little bit cheaper, obviously. Um, But, you know, you know, in general speaking terms for the middle market, it's it's very strong. You know, probably one of the strongest markets I've seen since I've been in the business. Wow. Wow. Strong statement. Well, listen, Derek, we really have to uh, thank you for joining us today. I think you did a, uh, a great job. I personally know how busy you and the team are and how you uh, accommodated us and your, your busy calendar. So uh, thank you very much. I'm glad our listeners got the opportunity to learn more about your fund strategy and, and what you think the future holds for the industry. Todd, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, I certainly look forward to working with you in BDO in 2018 and beyond. Awesome. Much appreciated. So, Listeners, I guess before we wrap, we want to invite you, we want to invite you to read BDO's Industry 4.0 report, where we explore how PE firms can help manufacturing companies harness digital innovation. That report is now on our website at BDO.com. I'd also like to mention that BDO's PE practice is about to launch its ninth annual PE perspective study. For that study, we surveyed hundreds of PE fund managers for their thoughts on various industry trends, as well as their business opportunities and challenges. A lot of this year's data is particularly valuable, so we'll be sure to let listeners know when it publishes. Again, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Perspectives podcast. For more information on how BDO supports private equity sponsors, funds, and their portfolio companies with a full spectrum of accounting, tax, and advisory services, please visit us at BDO.com. If you enjoyed the show, we hope you visit iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Join us next time for another edition of Private Equity Perspectives.